the first ten, generally we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to talk about it. We don't know what's, uh, what benefits the people uh, we're, we're talking to are looking for. And sometimes this is something you hone after talking to five, ten people. You start seeing their objections. You start seeing what, what uh, lights their eyes. And this is what you can use to build, uh, um, to, to tweak your offer and your messaging and everything you're doing for the next 10. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the First 10 podcast, where I interview business builders on their first 10 customers, who they were, how they found them, how they talked to them, and what effect they had on their business, so that you can learn what worked and what didn't. My guest today is Jamie Arredondo. Jamie coaches multiple Akimbo workshops, as well as running his own company, Bold and Open, where he helps entrepreneurs launch their projects, making them profitable as early and simply as possible. Uh, He is no stranger to the first 10. In this podcast, we talk a lot about his early pitches to prospects and the things he learned that greatly increased his success rate. Really, there's two things in particular that are really fantastic that he picked up. We talk about letting go of perfectionism and finding the answer through practice. He has a really great analogy for communicating value to your customers that involves the video game character Super Mario. Uh, You won't be able to forget it once you hear it and it really is truly valuable. We talk about copywriting and the mindset tools that will help you find those first 10 customers. There's loads and loads to dig into here. It's short and sweet uh, and I really hope you enjoy it. Every successful company out there started with their first 10 customers, and my job is to help you discover who they are for your business. If you like what you hear on the podcast, do get in touch at first10podcast.com. That's 10 with a one zero. Enjoy the show. Hey there, First 10 Podcast listeners. I'm here today with my friend, Jamie Arredondo. Jamie, first of all, thank you very, very much for taking the time to be with us here today. Uh, I have a very quick question to start with. Are you more of a mountain metaphor guy or a iceberg metaphor guy. Yeah, thanks, Connor, for, for inviting me. Um, so <laughs> the first time I read this, normally I, I, I feel more like a mountain metaphor person. Like physically, I am more of a mountain person. Uh, I don't like the sea, I don't like water. I, I just like to hike. Um, I did lots of mountain biking. And then when I studied entrepreneurship, I really saw this uh, as the this mountain to, to climb and the goal to reach and lots of stuff, lots of micro steps to be added to to, to, uh, to reach uh, a goal. So, so yeah. Okay, you're a, you're a mountain metaphor kind of, kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about your business story so far uh, and what you're working on right now? Um, yeah. So how, where do I start? <laughs> uh, so I, I started as a, in management consulting. In, in, I was working in India, then I was uh, moved to, to London. And then, well, this world wasn't for me uh, because I was making money for people who already had a lot of money and wasn't really meaningful. So I started a master, an MBA um, to do, to start internet businesses. And then... Uh, I met my wife, uh, which lived in France. So I, I had to leave the the, empl- the safe employment that I was looking for and start my so At that point in time, I started a, a startup. It, it was a crowdfunding platform for challenge prices. So the idea, for example, was if, you, if you're a woman and you're fed up with the tights that keep breaking, 
you launch a challenge and you ask people to, to solve the problem. So you create from a prize together. And if somebody found the solution and shared it in open source or are anyone to, to create it, we would grant them the prize. So we had a few pro uh, successes, but the, the, the project was not perfectly designed. So we made a lot of mistakes along the way and uh, I, I ran out of funding and, uh, and my team couldn't make it anymore. So uh, we, we closed shop. Uh, it was a bit uh, heartbreaking, but I learned a ton from it. Uh, I learned how to gather communities, how to gather an audience, how, how to organize myself as a startup entrepreneur. So at that point in time, I didn't know if I wanted back to employment or I was going to sell my own thing or start a new startup. But I decided to take it the safe way because I didn't have much funding anymore. So it was more about, okay, what can you do now? What can you sell? And uh, who can buy it for you, from you? And that's when I listed everything I knew how to do. And uh, I, went, I, I made a list of all of the people, like, I pick one. I chose this one and then who is this? Who can this be useful for? And uh, then I started validating it, going to each to a few people, say, okay, I'm, I'm starting this new thing. What do you think about it? Would you be interested in, in it? And at the beginning I was, was very scattershot. I, I wasn't sure what I was doing, but the more I was doing it, the easier it was getting. Yeah. And I think that the biggest thing was at this point was um, getting ready to accept rejection. <laughs> so okay. you can talk a bit more about, more about this later on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, oh, we'll, we'll come back to that for sure. Um, okay, right, really interesting. So you, you definitely have a history of putting things out there, engaging with ideas, taking the steps to create them and make them come true. Um, well, Talk about some of your learnings uh, along the way. What have been some of the kind of big um, ideas, I suppose, that you've picked up? Um, well, there have been many, but one that keeps sticking with me is uh, about letting go of perfectionism. I've been always a guy who, who likes to be ready before I start. And I, I guess some preparation is needed before one starts. You have to have skills and you have to have a, a foundation to start with. But sometimes... After that, it's better to ship, to get into action and find the, the answers while practicing than getting ready for everything that might happen before you do it. I don't know if that might make sense. Yeah, totally. I love that. Find the answers, the answers while practicing uh, yeah. because it's all practicing in the early days. There is no, there is no perfection uh, to be had, but I think you start to approach it. The more you do the thing, the more you talk about it, the more you study it and understand it that's, that's really interesting that's um what was there anything what was difficult about approaching people with with these ideas you mentioned you you would have an idea and you'd go literally person to person and say here's my idea and tell them about it what what were the hard parts of that well there were many <laughs> i think the first one was yeah as i thought before is the fear of rejection like okay i know this person uh, she might find me sleazy and I might break the relationship and uh, I, I might go broke and never have anything to... I, I might end up under a bridge if this doesn't work. So I, I think when you restart, we put so much pressure in these first people 
that uh, sometimes it breaks a relationship for sure because you're just putting too much pressure in it instead of going casually and say, okay, I'm trying this, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me figure it out? And if it's and if it's interesting to you, that's great. I can I can provide it. But uh, I, I, many many of the freelancers I see that really succeed uh, are bootstrappers. Is people who go who are ready to go wide. Like I don't know who is this for, but I'm going to try fifty or sixty or hundred before I decide I this is a good or bad or a bad idea. Because the first ten generally we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to talk about it. We don't know what uh, what benefits the people uh, we're, we're talking to are looking for. And sometimes this is something you hone after talking to five, 10 people. You start seeing their objections, you start seeing what, what uh, lights their eyes, and this is what you can use to build, uh, um, to, to tweak your offer and your messaging and everything you're doing for the next 10, and so on and so forth. And by the time you've done this 30 times, you're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a lot braver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like, I, I like, it's really important what you said, like can we, hearing the objections and then after five or six or seven times, you, you start to tweak what you offer. So there's almost an understanding there that you're going into the conversations with your early customers knowing that you're wrong. Yeah. Like it's absolutely, it's not perfect, but your customers, your market will tell you what's right, tell you what they actually need and being open to that. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Well, I, I, and I was speaking to a colleague uh, the other day and she was telling me a story about another uh, consultant. And then and he has a, an interesting approach. He's, uh, he, when he has some, somebody who invites him, who accepts his invitation, uh, he says, okay, I'm going to be very straightforward with you. Uh, I really want to work with you. How can we make this happen? What do you need? And uh, I found this uh, interesting. Like, Okay, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how we can work, but I'm really going here to find out what we can do to get together. That's a, a, that's a great approach for, for certain types of consultancy, I think. It, you know, I think we've both been in conversations where there's a certain energy or a good feeling or there's trust. And yeah, you just want to work with that person and you'll kind of do anything for them and with them, like within reason. But it's yeah, great so. when that happens, you kind of say, let's just let's just find something to do between us or like, I really want to work on one of your projects because it's exciting. And that's, yeah, that can be a way, that can be a great way to find early customers. It's very trust-based. It's very in the room. Um, I suppose there's, there's something there that you have to feel out more, you mm -hmm. know, it's less sales. And um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned there bootstrappers and of course you, you're, you coach so many of the Akimbo workshops, I've, I've lost track. Um, and like, so we, we, both, we both coach the workshops and you've been head coach on a few. And I'm curious as to your experience there about um, how people approach finding their first 10 customers. Mm, that's a good question. <clears throat> Generally, the people who take the Akimbo workshops are people who, who already found their first 10. The thing is they... The, the problem I, I find most often is these people haven't honed on one thing they're doing. So they, they, they see people around them, they see different needs, and they try to adapt themselves to the needs around them. And the problem with this is that they can't build some, a foundation on which they can scale or build a proper business on top of. So, yeah, as a freelancer, you can do copywriting and social media and this kind of stuff. But, this is on building a body of work that will help you uh, 
find new clients or get referrals because if you did copywriting for one and social media for another person, they won't be able to direct you to the work that you want to do or what you are best at. So, yeah, I think it's more about this thing on one thing I'm going to do, or at least that I'm going to start from and then uh, look for the people for whom this is interesting for whom this is important and letting go of all of the other opportunities that you might be able to grab, but that are not supporting this path that you're starting to carve. That's, um, that's so, so important. I have definitely fallen foul to this myself, <laughs> as we've talked about <laughs> in previous conversations. Um, yeah, just going, going too broad because there's a fear of missing out on, um, on work on some kind of, um, forward momentum so you tend to throw it all out there and say well I can I can do it all but that doesn't help your audience when they're trying to talk about you um, it, the, the best products and people I think we know are super specific in what they do and they're the person that comes to mind when it's I need this done this is the person to do it because that's that's all they do that's all they're thinking about they're not thinking about these 50 other things that's a really good takeaway from the workshops and I, I would agree it's the um it it can be scary to narrow down to just say I do this thing, but yeah. actually, in in most cases, that that one thing then expands out into being more than you can handle. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it can become a monster that you don't know how to feel anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's been your sales and marketing experience over the years? Have you had any kind of formal sales and marketing training? Um. Not really. I've always picked up things on my own. Uh, I've taken courses, but I've never been formally trained to either. Um, while I was doing my work, my, my startups, I learned a lot uh, around marketing, positioning, how to reach out to others, how to create uh, remarkability and people to refer your idea. But then when I started as a bootstrapper or a freelancer, I was more, uh, I was clueless about sales. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. But I, I picked a few good books and uh, that taught me to to go present what you're doing, to present the, your pain points and, but, and the value you're doing, of what you're doing. Like my main key takeaway was like the value of what you're doing is what the, the, the cost of what you're doing minus uh, the, the whatever you help the other people gain from working with you in money, in physical or psychological well-being and this kind of stuff, or when you save them in the risk of not working with you. So for example, if you're a, a, a lawyer and you help someone uh, reduce a fine from 10,000 to 1,000 euros, well, you're, you brought them 9,000 euros in value. Hmm. And if you cost less, a fraction of that, then it's a no-brainer to hire you. But you have to show them this value. Hmm. And this was yeah. That's 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 really well said and a really great example. Um, and I feel like it's something that maybe isn't talked about. Like being, you're not giving anything away by showing the value. You're not. It's not like you tell them and then they can go do it themselves. But proving that you will save them more time or money, etc., at the far side. It's it's quite simple sounding. But I think it's maybe forgotten about a lot of a lot of the time. A lot of people want to talk about what they do versus what they, what the result of the interaction will be for yeah. for the client or for the customer. 
Exactly. Yeah, sometimes we conflate our skills with the value of what we're doing. That's it. And, uh, and we're not selling our skill or our product or whatever we, we're doing. What we're selling is the final re result for this person. So that, that was a very interesting uh, metaphor from, uh, I think it's user onboard. It's a platform that teaches people to, to create onboardings. But they, they had this graphic with uh, Mario Bros, a mushroom, and a big Mario Bros. And he said, like, your client is the small Mario Bros. The mushroom is your product. And the big Mario Bros that uh, launches uh, <laughs> flame balls, he, this is the superpower that you, the re end result that happens when you climb is your product or you sell this. So you're selling this, the superpower. You're not selling the flower, That's, your product. That is brilliant. That's uh, such a good, I'll add that to my metaphors list. Um, it, well, it's a great way to to remember all the time that, yes, this is this is the actual value you're providing. That's what you need to focus on. Mm, really good. What, uh, any books bring to mind? that You mentioned some books on sales. Yeah, there, there is a... Um... I, I noted this because I, I knew I was going to forget them. Uh, there is one from Jay Abraham that's called Getting Everything You Can Out of Everything You Got. Um, another great one from is Brain Audit from Sean de Souza. It's about copywriting and presenting your pitch in a concise and unique way to, to show your, your real value. And uh, yeah. I would say these are the best. And then there's a, a free course from Brennan Dunn that's called Double Your Freelancing Rate, which is also pretty good about how to to lead an interview to to unearth the value that your service has for the, the people you have in front of you. Okay, cool. I'll add those in the show notes. They're, they're really good to know about. Um, are there any books that aren't maybe business related that have helped you understand people better? Mm. Well, um, there are, yeah, there. I wouldn't say they are not business related. There, there, there is some business relation. But the people I've learned most to to understand the psychology of others are copywriters. Mm. How they think about uh, this idea of the people are not interested in you; they're interested in what you can do for them, mm. and. Uh, and then going to, to listen to what they're saying to understand what this is, what they're looking for, mm. and helping them pull it out or and then use it as well, so that you can be you can help them get where they want to go. Because if you don't get the message right, they will not trust you, and if they don't trust you, then you're neither of you is going where where you need to go. Yeah. So this is. I know yeah. I'm a bit of I'm a bit of a copywriting nerd as well. I feel like it's the unsung hero of of the internet. Um, there's a great I'll link to it in the show notes. There's a great page that was made like 15 years ago. It's just a simple black text on white background, and it's I forget who wrote it. It's a guy just kind of going, "These are words I'm communicating to you across the internet. I can say a thought, and it will appear in your head." And it's just a really basic kind of. Oh yeah, words matter. You kind of forget that these words matter, and I'm a sucker for a good copy. I maybe you do the same, but I save good, good copywriting that I see something that really kind of pulls me in, draws me in, and makes me kind of go, "Wow, how did they? How did they know? How did they know?" That? <laughs> um, I think time spent understanding the written word through copywriting is is time well spent. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. 
think it's a great skill to have. Totally. Have you ever been in someone else's first 10 customers? Um, not, not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, but uh, uh, they didn't state it clearly, so I'm not sure. Um, I hope I need, I'm in one of your first 10 for the podcast. You are, that's true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's, maybe that's one, uh, first one for me. Um, I'm not sure. Or, or I, I didn't realize at the time. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Um, just go, going back in time a little bit, do, do, do you remember any of those early customer conversations when you, you were going one-to-one with your ideas, uh, bringing them to people? Do you have any more details on how they went, any of the preparation that you thought about or what it was like in the in the actual conversations? Right. Um yeah, um, so I think what I, the, the first step was thinking, okay, what can I do? What's the value for this person? How can I present it so they, they would understand what I'm trying to do and how it's going to help them reach their goal? So, and then you, I, I think I drafted an email and sent it to, to two or three people that I had in my network just to not, not to go too wild. I, I'm going safe. If this is two or three things don't work, well, I can always adjust. And then uh, when one said yes, I went to the to the meeting and I presented to them and I said the, these questions are, okay, so what are your challenges to understand where I can help? Um, so what what is this costing you? What I what is the risk of not achieving this goal? And then showing them, okay, uh, I can offer you this, this, and this that can respond to this challenge and uh, take you from here to to there, which is where we think you want to go, and then send out the proposal. Um, yeah, I th- yeah, I think that's well, that, that was the first time. I, the yeah. first thing I did. So a lot of understanding, a lot of listening up front. A lot of listening at the beginning. One of the things I did was also take my my recorder with me, the smartphone. Pull it and t- okay, can I can I record you so I, I make sure I don't miss anything and then I reuse like this is a cooperating trick but I reuse their words to to put them in the pr- in the pr- proposal so I was sure to use what they the words they they had in my mind and so they could recognize that I was understanding what they meant. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's and a since, smart thing to do. Sorry. Yeah. So, so, so since I did, I did this three, four times to, to really wrap my head around this, and after the, after a while, you get to the, the hang of it, the hang of what you need to note down. And uh, it was very important for me to record this, really go through it. And, uh, and yeah, I, don't, I, I forgot what I was going to say, but it wasn't very important, I guess. No, like that, that is a really smart thing to do, like understanding how the customer describes their struggles and their problems is so important and it's very hard in the moment because you're thinking of you're thinking of yourself you're thinking about them you're thinking of the product or service and it's hard to kind of notice what words they actually use but recording it and being able to reflect is pretty pretty powerful actually it's a really good idea and i like that over time you got better at in the meeting understanding exactly yeah yeah, what the thing I was going to say is that uh, since the moment I did this, I had uh, like eighty percent of the people accept my proposals. Like, no questions asked about the price, or there might be a minor tweak here or there, but that's it. Wow, from that from that one practice. Yeah, 
impressive. Um, what would you say to someone then starting out to find their first 10 customers? So I, I'd suggest to, 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 to focus, to decide what's one thing I'm going to try and give it a real shot, like go for 10, 20 people first before you decide it's good or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, among these 10 first 20 people you reach out, you might have one or two people who buy what you're doing. And this is normal. And the more you do it, the better you get at finding the, pe- the places where these people are and uh, how to sell to them. And the more you do it, hopefully, uh, then people will recommend you, will refer you. And there is one simple trick that you can do at the end of, uh, of uh, working with them. It's uh, asking them, like, do you know all the people who, who could use this uh, service? This is one thing, like, I, I didn't do it. And from the moment I started doing it, people were thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, I can think of two or three people for you. Uh, and then you, you can say, can I send you an email to, to introduce us? And then it's, it's very easy. Then you have your next prospect and you don't do much work. I was just asking. But this is something that really undervalues. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, good. The, the best sales channel of all, it's just word of mouth referrals. Yeah. And you don't need to be trust because the people that are referring you are already trusted by the, the prospect. So this is really powerful. Yeah, it is really powerful. And and to go back to the very start of our conversation, you know, if you're if you're excited in doing the work with someone, chances are they know other people like them, and and there'll also be a good relationship there too. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. That's that's brilliant. That's in the last five minutes alone. There's two <laughs> smart eyes record the conversations and ask for referrals. Don't be afraid to ask, um, because I think people might feel a bit of fear around it. But yet, when we're asked, do you know anyone else? We've no problem. Um, referring if we can there is reciprocity people are happy to help you back especially if it's a small ask like that yeah that's that's great that's actually a that might be a good place to end um people are happy to do it and always to bear that in mind um thank you very very much for your time and sharing all these nuggets i will i'll add them all to the show notes yeah. and the transcription as well it's it's amazing you, you've got so much experience and there's some really smart stuff in there so yes thank you for your time today yeah thanks a lot Connor. that's what was up and go see you soon bye bye and that's a wrap i really hope you enjoyed this episode and that there was something in there that was actionable and insightful for your business do check out the show notes for more information on what we discussed as well as ways to contact my guest today Helping you identify and create those first 10 customers is what I do. So if you like what you hear on this podcast, please do get in touch at first10podcast.com, that's 1010, or on Twitter at the first10pod.